Good morning and happy Friday. Welcome to another episode of Unfiltered with Allie. My name is Allie Pintucci and before we get started, I'm going to be opening up this week's episode with a friendly trigger warning. If you are someone who is currently in recovery for an eating disorder or you are someone in the midst of navigating their eating disorder, this might not be the episode for you to consume at this time and I'd like to give you the opportunity to skip along to another piece of content. My guests and I this week are going to be diving into our own personal experiences with eating disorders as well as body dysmorphia and just want to be totally upfront with this because I fully understand that not everyone has the capacity to consume content like this in this very moment. So thank you so much. Without further ado, let me introduce to you this week's guest on Unfiltered with Allie. Looks like you've officially entered the group chat with your best friends. My name is Ali Paducci, and this is the Unfiltered Podcast, the place where we leave the heavily filtered world of social media to talk about anything and everything uncensored. From personal wellness to entrepreneurship, spirituality, sex, surviving breakups, and hilarious stories in between, join me as I navigate adulthood with real, unfiltered conversations. Joining me on the podcast this week is Gabby Mail. She's a health coach, content creator, and self-love junkie who helps women ditch dieting and learn to feel empowered in their bodies. Her mission is to educate the world about health in more ways than just food and fitness. She believes health is all-encompassing, and Gabby loves teaching and talking to women about mental, emotional, social, financial, and sexual health. You heard it on the intro, but this week, Gabby and I are going to be opening up a bit more about our personal experience with eating disorders and hopefully we can create a more open dialogue that might help women navigate their journeys a little bit better or maybe listening to this conversation will help you understand some of the the journeys that your girlfriends or people in your lives might be experiencing as well one thing that's very important to know I am not a professional I am not a coach when it comes to mental health when it comes to eating disorders this is This episode is simply me just sharing the experience that I'm going through in a very open way. And if you listen to this and you realize that this might be something you're experiencing or you definitely know that you're experiencing one of these issues, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help to get the support that you fully deserve to help you get through this. So let's get this started. Hello, Gabby. Hey, girl. (laughs) Hi. How are you? I am amazing. I, like I said, I'm a little bit stressed, a little bit, you know, holiday craziness, gifts, figuring out how to do it with all the COVID stuff and whatnot. And just been a crazy, crazy year, like trying to figure out what's the next year going to look like. I feel like no matter what the year, like regardless of 2020 craziness, I feel like the end of the year is always kind of like, you're like, figuring out like how am I going to wrap this up like you're doing some reflection you're looking onto the future it's just like a weird time in general mm-hmm. and so this year that's like amplified I feel like because we're all just also on edge like is 2021 going to be the same are we going to be getting yeah. through this like it's just it's kind of like a weird limbo time it's like some days I feel like crap and then some days I'm like just going with the flow so I feel <laughs> but you. today's a good day that's amazing <laughs> I also find it really funny how we attach um like meaning or freshness or this newness today's like I'll start Monday or <laughs> like Monday's mm-hmm. always the fresh day or it's like okay 2021 like January 1st even though what's changed from December 31st to January 1st I find it so funny how it's just like this meaning that like tomorrow's yeah. gonna be different I don't know 
I, I, this year feels kind of December feels kind of meh to me. I think it's because yeah. I already checked out. I'm not flying home to see my family in Toronto. And I knew that, you know, close to a month ago. So I think I kind of grieved that loss a month ago. And, yeah. you know, in, in my, in my kind of like agency slash marketing world, December is pretty slow in general, because all your marketing efforts kind of go towards Black Friday and, ramping up for holiday which that stuff's passed so I've kind of just been sitting here in December being like this is Pondering. weird Pondering. <laughs> yeah and I've just I don't know where where do you live I live in Kentucky so okay. I'm like three hours south I'm from Ohio okay. um, Columbus and I, yeah I live about like three and a half hours south of that okay yeah I don't know what your restrictions are like there but we've been in this weird purgatory of restrictions here in Vancouver since March where at first yeah. it was it was kind of like the uh, uh, you know quote unquote lockdown where you only do something that was essential mm-hmm. and then it was like okay phase one phase two and we're moving out a bit but now cases are rising again and people are like what are we allowed to do what are we not allowed to do and they basically just said Christmas and New Year's is canceled like yeah gather and what's so weird here in America is because we have like the different like states are a lot smaller than like the provinces in Canada like state lines like I I my family lives in Ohio and that's only three hours away and um and then when you go through when I'm driving through I also go through another state and it's just so crazy to me that you can literally step over a line and in this state everything's open and everything's fine not everything's fine but everything's open and they're pretending everything's fine even though it's not and then in another state it's like you can do this but you can't do this and then I come back to my state and it's like there's just so many and then I'm also like I think everybody's just (sighs) but you're allowed to travel and that's the weirdest thing so it's like if everyone has all these different restrictions why why are so many like provinces or even states like the country's still being so lenient with like interprovincial or like interstate travel yeah it's really weird it's crazy yeah and and then you have the American mindset of just like freedom and people don't want to be told what to do and I think that's a a big cause of why our cases are so high is because people are just not willing to be yeah to to be told what they can and can't do um it's it's really interesting And and I hope I'm fingers crossed praying that all of this vaccine stuff pulls through soon and we can be on to bigger and better things in the new year. Yeah, it's rolling out, I think, at the end of the month here for us. They've kind of laid out the plan of who's getting it first. Yeah. Um, but it's just kind of weird. If you think back to a year ago, I'm like, never in my life would I have thought of I would have lived through something as strange as this. So crazy. Yeah, I was actually looking through old like photos and videos and stuff yesterday. And I found, I was, I saw like what I was doing last new year's and I was just like, Whoa, like, I wish I could go back and like tap myself on the shoulder and be like, Hey, just like be prepared. (laughs) Save a little bit more extra money. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That was a bit of a different topic. We're not going to talk about vaccines and COVID. I feel like now when I'm talking to people, it always starts with that. It's like, how you doing? How you holding up? Everyone's kind of in that same, like, okay, we're ready for this to be done, but you have such an amazing story and you've turned your story into your business and it's been really cool to watch. So I'd love for you to tell everyone a bit more about yourself and what you do and how you got to what you're doing today. Yeah. So I was actually born in England. Um, my dad's Irish, mom's English. Um, my older brother was born in England. I was born in England. And then my parents moved to America when I was four. Um, and we, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. And I grew up in a really, really small town, like super bubble, just like 
it's it was like it's honestly hilarious like there's a crime rate of zero like you just felt so safe and everybody knows everybody typical like american small town vibes and um i grew up with a family that was super active and loved like sports and i played soccer growing up and um it's so weird when i look back on i feel like as you get older you like look back at your childhood and each time you look back at it you almost like learn something new or you see something mm. new or you realize something new and every time I look back, I'm like realizing like, oh, that's where that came from. So um, I, I played soccer my whole life. My dad was my coach. And my senior year of high school, I knew soccer was going to be ending. I didn't want to pursue it like in college. I wanted to have a normal college experience and not have it focused on athletics. And so I, I was smart enough to know like, okay, if soccer's ending, you're not going to be as active, but you want to stay healthy. And I didn't, I, this was back in like 2012, 2014 kind of time frame, mm -hmm. And, um, there wasn't much information online. So like when I was kind of like, I'm going to start my own health journey, like I'm going to take this into my own hands. You, you go on Pinterest, you know, you type in like at home workout or like how to <laughs> lose weight or whatever. Didn't and you need to be invited you... to Pinterest at the time? I <laughs> Probably. I did. Yeah. Wow. So weird. And just the information was just not healthy, not good, not accurate. And so, but I didn't know that. I thought I was, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was trying to be healthy and like trying to, you know, learn about the body and health and calories and all that. And um, because that's like what media and everybody was feeding me. It's like, this is how you, you be healthy. And so while I thought I was pursuing this like health journey, I actually was like unknowingly giving myself really, really bad disordered eating because mm. I was, I, I have a very just obsessive personality in general. Like I'm a type three Enneagram. I'm very like, go, go, go. Let's get this done. I'm like a goal setter achiever mindset. And so I had like all of these different goals and I would do anything to achieve them. And then with that obviously comes weight loss and focusing on what you look like and being a 17 year old girl getting compliments of you look so skinny, you look so small, whatever. It was really like contagious in my brain. Mm. And I didn't realize that like I was, that anything was really wrong until like I kind of sat back and realized like, wow, I really can't think about anything else except for food and calories and how much I'm eating. And I haven't had anything quote unquote unhealthy in like six months. And I just, I knew what I was doing was wrong to myself because of how my, how I was like, thinking and like how my brain was. And so, right. um, I kind of took it into my own hands to like air quotes, heal myself. I was like, you got yourself here. You can get yourself out, which if I could go back, I would tap myself on the shoulder and say, please go see a therapist. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I went, I went to college and, um, kind of going to college was awesome. Cause I met a lot of girls and women that had been through very similar things. Like I had never really talked to or met anyone that had struggled with disordered eating and struggled with food issues and all of that. And so it was really nice to like meet new people and see that like other people had like struggled. And so throughout college, I slowly, slowly, slowly started healing, but I really kind of fell victim to masking my disordered eating with fitness because I thought, oh, well, well, I'm eating now, but I was on this like really dangerous cycle of like being super restrictive and then binging on the weekends and drinking a lot and eating a bunch of pizza at 3 a.m. and then feeling like crap the next day and feeling like I had to work it off in some mm -hmm. kind of way. And so that was just kind of like a cycle for 
all of college. And then it wasn't until after college when I really dove into like my business and Mick was a huge help with that, like with her going through her journey and her recovery journey. And, um, and yeah, and I think if I would have gotten help and like really known and had more information from online, because all of this body positivity stuff is very new. Like it's very new information that is being shared more regularly online. And so I didn't really know what I was doing was so unhealthy until I like had other people kind of telling me like, no, that's actually not normal. Like you shouldn't be weighing how much fat-free whipped cream you put on your coffee. Like, like that's, that's not right. So once I actually like, I guess was exposed to what is healthy and what is um, like more air, whatever we consider normal, um, that's how I like kind of started to heal. And then I obviously created some businesses around that and have like grown so much in the past couple of years since like fully recovering. But, um, that's kind of like just a little background on like how mm-hmm. I got to where I am today. And like, especially cause a lot of what I do now with my business, it was rooted in my, my journey with disordered eating and just like body image issues. And so I always like to kind of share that just so people know where I'm coming from. And I know a lot of women also connect with that, whether it was like super extreme or even if it's just struggling a little bit. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. It's the internet. It's crazy when you think about what information we have the ability to like access now, like the internet is such a huge part of our lives. Like we're waking Mm -hmm. up, we're going on the internet. Oh yeah. Yeah. When we were a kid, it was like, get off the, get off the phone, mom. I need to go on MSN. We are dial up. Yes. And before that, I'm trying to think like before I wanted to go on MSN, like what, what did I really do on the internet? Like school projects maybe to research. It wasn't, it's funny when you think because it's so normal now, but Mm -hmm. it's, it's wild when I have to actually step back to think, okay, so where would I have gotten that information as a child? Mm -hmm. You get it from magazines. Magazines. Yeah. You get it from magazines. I used to be obsessed with like J14 and like <laughs> Teen Ball. Tiger Beat. <laughs> Tiger Beat and like Pop pop Sugar or something oh like that. Oh my no. God. It was just that. Like you get your info from magazines, from billboards, from TV, from commercial. And then your parents. Your parents, your parents play a massive role. I'm, I'm just starting to work on like inner child's and patterns and behavior and really dive into being like, okay, I know what my story is or the stories that I've labeled myself with, but why, where did those stories come from? And it's wild that when you go back to Allie, what were you doing when you were six, when you were four, when you were three, I have no idea that part of my memory is so blocked off. Mm -hmm. So I think it's so interesting. I'd love to dive more into, into eating disorders because (laughs) There is so much shame around eating disorders and media has centered attention primarily, at least, you know, growing up and now it's a lot more diverse, but for me growing up and for a lot of women and men growing up, media centered attention around like skinniness and thinness and eating disorders. So typically, and I'll just speak for me because I don't want to put labels on anyone else, but when I thought of eating disorders, I just think like anorexia, bulimia. Mm -hmm. Those are the only two. So we're yeah. not really taught about the different types of eating disorders and how they're experienced at, experienced at all shapes and sizes. But there's mm-hmm. also binge eating disorders. There's avoidant restrictive, like food intake disorders. There's the other specified feeding or eating. Like there are so many. And mm-hmm. I was 30 years old. I was 
this year when I was told that I had an eating disorder. And for all of the years in my life before that, I just thought that I had no self-control or self-worth. Wow. Yeah. So when you joke, was it, was like, validate, like, was it validate? Like, did it, did that help you to like, understand that? Well, it made sense all of a sudden because yeah. I'm, I try to be very, like, I'm like the funny girl. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, I'll make jokes about like binge eating or, you know, it's very common to make jokes about like, I'm just going to binge this or I'm just going to, but I actually have binge eating disorder. And mm-hmm. when my doctor was talking to me about it, I was like, yeah, I definitely have that. Like, do you feel like X, Y, Z? Do you, does that resort in you doing, result in you doing this? And I'm like, oh yeah. And then all of a sudden it started to make sense. I was like, yeah, this is really fucked up in the sense yeah. where it's like, this is so not fucked up that I'm doing this <laughs> because I'm trying to be more compassionate with myself, but fucked up that I'm 30 years old and I'm just actually realizing that I have binge eating disorder. And now it's yeah. tying into like the shadow work and the inner child work that I'm doing. And I'm like, this ecosystem that I have created in my head and in my body is wild. And I find it so insane that it is very hard to find information about this because we are not talked to about it when we're children. Yeah. And because it's so normalized, like you said, we throw those words around like, like binge, like, oh, I'm going to binge this. Like it's, it's almost, and then you in your head, you're like, oh, so it's normal. Like everybody does that, you know? That's normal. And it's, and it's, and yeah, there, there needs to be so much more education. And the thing is, is like, I even remember in middle school and stuff, learning about eating disorders, but like you said, it was so cookie cutter and it was very like, you have to have these symptoms and whatever. And, and mm-hmm. for me in my journey, I remember I knew I was a little, I knew I was taking it too far, but I could still be like, well, I've never done that. I, I, I eat every day. I've and you're healthy. Like, you're eating healthy yep. foods. I'm working and out. And so I was, I was able to like tick the boxes and be like, nope, I'm good. But I actually really wasn't, you know? And so there's, and there's so many people that go through that and go through maybe not like what we see in the media, people like being stick and bones and even mm-hmm. having to go to the hospital. Mm-hmm. We don't, if you're not experiencing that, then you think, oh, okay, well then it's not that serious, but actually yeah. it is really serious. And it, like you said, it can then lead into other things like with your mental health mm-hmm. and in other areas too. Um, and I think binge eating disorders specifically, I've, I've never, so I can't like speak on it like a lot. I've never struggled with that specifically, but I have a lot of friends that have and, and mm-hmm. past clients that have. And like you said, I think the key word you said before was shame, especially around that, because at least like with, with anorexia, like, y- yes, there's different, like so many different body types. You can never look at someone and be like, they're anorexic. You, you'll never know. But typically like the average case, when you have anorexia, you are losing weight. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you're getting compliments and it's almost like it's this positive thing and yeah, and it feeds that. And, and with binge eating disorder there, I feel like there is almost a higher level of shame around it because we're taught that's gluttonous. That's lazy. Mm -hmm. You're, you're being all of these things, these words Mm -hmm. that we've been taught are Mm -hmm. negative words when actually it, it has nothing to actually do with the food, you know, or, or how, or how you are nothing as a human. to do with the food. It's all about what's going on in other areas of your life and in your brain and in past areas of your life that haven't been healed yet. And it's, it's so interesting. There's so much to unpack there, but I'm, I'm really happy. I'm like, thank you for like sharing that. I know that's probably not like an easy thing to like talk about and like, um, be so vulnerable maybe it is now but maybe it wasn't at at first but thank you for sharing that because I know so many people probably can relate to that too yeah thank you honestly I don't think much about it because yeah 
I think if anything, for me, it was a relief. Cause like I said, I, I, I feel like I was just labeling myself in those stories of like, what is wrong with you? You have no self-control. You have no self-worth. Like what the fuck is actually wrong with you? And this is stuff that's going on in my head. And knowing now that that's a symptom of binge eating disorder, we talked about shame a few times. It's that vicious cycle of shame. Do it again. I feel better. I feel worse. Shame. Do it again. And my, one of my coaches now has me just put out, pull out my book, my journal. And she was like, whenever that feeling comes up, you feel like you want to order something, or you feel like you're even eat something in your cupboard, like you're hungry, sit down, wait five minutes, and then decide in five minutes if that's how you're feeling. But at the same time, write it down. What are you actually feeling in that moment? Because it's wild when I'm just like, try to be more mindful of my thoughts being like, oh, I'm hungry. I need to do this. I'm like, you literally just ate dinner. You are not hungry. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. And when I actually take the time to sit with my thoughts, it comes up and it's, I'm making it sound like it's this easy journey. Like this journal has like cured my life. And I'm like, oh, you're not hungry. You're fine. It's not 50% of the time doesn't result in success for me. Yeah. But the win from that is that the other 50% of the time it did, whereas before it used to be a hundred percent fail. And now I can be more compassionate knowing where this is coming from. It's an internal struggle that I need help with. Yeah. And a lot of the issues that I've seen, um, just talking to people who have had binge eating and, um, recovered from it. Um, a lot of the issue comes from past, like learning, learned behaviors around mm -hmm. food. So if you are someone who does restrict often or always is dieting or thinks that, that this certain food is bad and you, you, you like withhold from it for a certain amount of time, mm -hmm. we as humans have tendencies to go after what we're told not to go after, you know, yeah. like that's that's why we all drink underage. They're like, don't drink. And, and we do it and we do it in excess, you know, because we just, we want the things that we are told we can't have. And so when you put these rules and these restrictions on food, and especially if you've had that for so long, whether it was passed down from your parents, whether it was passed down from the media or just what you've learned over time, the more you try to withhold from those foods and tell yourself that this is bad or this is bad, you're going to end up binging it anyway. So mm -hmm. like the number one thing with binge eating and, and it's so hard to do this. So if you're, if you are going through this, make sure you like get professional help totally. while doing this, but you have to drop all rules and restrictions. You know, you have to relearn how to listen to your body. Cause like you just said, you almost don't know when you're hungry. Like you, like after you your dinner, you, you feel hungry right away. And it's, that's not your fault. I think a lot of people think, why am I like this? Why do I feel this way? But it's, it's literally not your fault. It is a hormonal response. It's ghrelin. It's the, the hormone that makes you feel hungry. You, it, it's not, um, and it's not in good regulation because you have had all these rules and restrictions over time. And even when you were hungry and your body was telling you, Hey, I'm hungry, give me this. And you said, no. And you said, no, mm -hmm. you can't have that. Your body then learns, okay, I can't have it. You know? So then when you do give it to yourself, it releases it in full because it doesn't know when it's going to get that food again. It almost is like totally. a fight or flight response. And it's like, Hey, she's going to restrict again after this. It, your body knows you, it knows she's going to do this again. And we're not going to get this food for a long time. So let's have as much of it as we possibly can right now while, while she's letting us because we don't know what's going to happen later. So if you it's can literally like kids that, in a candy store. <laughs> yep, exactly. Exactly. And, and just, I guess, literally like letting yourself know, like, it's not your fault and it's going to take, it takes so long for your body to regulate and um, become to like a homeostasis with your hormones, especially when it surrounds hunger and learning, to, like people always say, listen to your body, listen to the, that hunger. 
that's really hard to do sometimes, you know, so because there's so many other things, especially being a female, are, are you hungry or is it, is it that time of the month? Are you, are you actually thirsty or are you stressed? Are you anxious? Are you, there, there's so many different factors that can go into it and it, we boil it down and make it so simple. And we're like, we think it's our fault, you know, but there's mm-hmm. actually so many reasons and other little things that could have caused that. Totally. It's such an interesting journey. It's also crazy how wild, how wildly hard it is. When mm-hmm. we talk about it, it just sounds like, okay, we'll just do this. It is so hard. It it's is. funny so when I, I And think I have to back, remind myself because yeah. I've been, I've been like on the other side of it so long. So I have to like remind myself to have patience with people who are in that struggle, like in, in it, especially when it comes to like um, food restriction, I'm just like, just eat it, just eat it. But I have to go back. And if I mm-hmm. think about it, I can put myself back in that headspace really, really fast. And I can have more compassion and like understand because when you're in it, like you said, it is it is so hard. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I think I think back at my my body journey, and when I moved to Vancouver, I was in a not a very good place in my life. Same thing. A lot of shame. A lot of no control. I was super depressed. The interesting thing about depression is the same thing for with eating disorders for me. I was diagnosed when I was twenty four. And prior to that, for the other years of my life, I lived my life in so much stress, like not even realizing why, like why I lived my life in so much pain. Mm. So here I am like going through this everyday, everyday thing being like, why, why is this happening to me? And then when I moved to Vancouver, I didn't really have any friends. So I said, okay, you're going to just focus on eating well, and you're going to commit to moving your body 30 minutes a day. That's it. 30 minutes a day. And I lost 60 pounds, transformed my whole body, found new sports that I loved, got super addicted to CrossFit and Olympic weightlifting and started riding my back. I was like doing all these things and ended up having a personal trainer. And I remember getting to the fittest point of my life. I look back at photos and I'm like, fuck, I wish I was still that fit. At that (laughs) time, I don't like using the F word. I'm trying to be more mindful and not fuck fat. (laughs) That's like my F word because I'm very nasty to myself and it's very easy for me to throw that word around and it carries a lot of shame and that shame helps feed the binge eating. So I'm trying to be more mindful of how I, how I like use that word, but I was 24 not a professional athlete, anywhere close to it, working out because I thought I loved it so much, but I was just a- addicted to my results. And mm-hmm. like, I remember my trainer was just like, oh, you're like 17% body fat. And I remember being stoked. Why does a 24 year old going to her office need to be focusing on being 17% body fat? I know. It, yep. I and know. I thought I still was fat. Mm-hmm. And I was measuring my food out and feeling so down on myself. If I didn't work out, I was so addicted. But at the time I was like, that was my identity. It was who I was. And then fast forward a couple of years later, depression came back. The weight started coming on. I went through a really bad breakup and like that went up. And then after my breakup, I literally could not eat for six weeks. I lost 20 pounds in less than six weeks. And then all of a sudden my self-worth magically reappeared. 
I was like, mm-hmm. look at me. I'm amazing. I look great. I'm the best. And then I got smacked with a hormonal diagnosis. I got diagnosed with PCOS and in less than two months, my face exploded with cystic acne and I put on 20 pounds. It's been two years. That weight is still on me and I'm just starting to be able to fix my skin. And it has been such a fucking struggle for me Mm -hmm. because it is very clear to me that no matter what size I am, I'm not fucking happy. And it's very clear to me that now I have an eating disorder. Binge eating is a whole other thing, but I also have disordered eating on both spectrums. I'm either obsessed or I'm obsessed. (laughs) And both of them are not feeding healthy things. And I just find it like, I really honor you being in a space where you can still promote healthiness and still promote more mindfulness around the health and wellness industry, because it is such a fucked up industry. It is so fucked up. It really is. And the internet really knows what to serve me when I'm down. It is wild. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's not okay. Thank you for sharing that. I, I think I'm, I'm sitting here like, like, yep, yep. I relate to that. I relate to that. I relate to that. And if I'm saying that, I know so many other people are going to be sitting here, like just knowing that like, it's okay to like go through that. We like, mm-hmm. there's so many people that are also going through similar journeys and have been through similar journeys. And thank you for saying that about figuring out how to balance this. It comes with a asterisks because mm-hmm. while I have been through a very similar journey to you as far as like being very obsessed and like losing a bunch of weight and like loving the control aspect of it and then losing that control and it spiraling into other like mental health issues and stuff um it sucks because a lot of it it comes down to control you know it comes down to us when, when life is spiraling and things are hard the breakup moving work, life, whatever, like COVID, whatever life throws at you, we want something to control. We want to feel like we are in control of our lives. And as women, one of the easiest things we can control is our bodies, because it's also one of the things we're going to get complimented on and commented on the most. And we know that we know that our, we always say like, your worth isn't in your body. That's true. But based on society and based on the world that we live in, a lot of worth is still rooted in your body. Even though Mm -hmm. we're trying to change that narrative, we know subconsciously that our worth is in how we look. And so if we can control that, we feel like we are in control of our life, even even if it's actually making you feel ultimately be in less control because now you're obsessed with fitness and you're obsessed with this and you're almost a slave to the gym, you know? Mm -hmm. So... I know that cycle all too well. And I know like it's so hard and it seems like it's a never ending cycle, but I promise you there is a way to balance it. And I'm not saying that I'm like an an expert in this, but I, I've been through that and I've, I really do feel like I am, I'm, I'm still learning. I feel like I'm in a learning phase right now with that specifically with learning how to do fitness and go to the gym and eat healthy, nutritious foods, but also not go to the gym and also eat cookies and brownies, but not feel like I have to eat so much. You know, it is this Mm -hmm. really difficult balance. Um, and sometimes I go too far one way. Sometimes I find myself going too far the other way still, but a lot of it just comes down to like me knowing who I am, knowing my journey, knowing my like self-awareness 
of my habits and of my thoughts. So if I notice myself like talking not kindly to myself, like feeling cer certain ways about my body, and I notice you've been going to the gym more, I kind of have to just like be really honest with myself and take a step back and be like, let's not go to the gym today. You know, you've been unkind to your body and we don't want to start another cycle. And so I have to be, I, I am really good, have gotten really good at doing little like check-ins with myself mm -hmm. um, because I know that when I'm not feeling well, especially mentally, I very easily resort to control in the sense of controlling myself in the gym and with food. And so, and that's something I'm going to struggle with forever. I've, I've kind of accepted that it's something that I'm going to, it's going to be there forever. Like people always say, once you have an eating disorder, it's always going to be there in the back of your head, no matter how healed you are. I agree and disagree to an extent, but I do think that as long as our society functions the way it does and placing so much worth on women's bodies, we're all going to keep struggling, no matter how much we preach self-love, self-confidence, body acceptance, like it's always going to be there because we know how much people find worth in women's bodies. And so, mm -hmm. um, yeah, with health and another, sorry to kind of jump back, but another huge thing that has helped me, um, with finding balance with the gym and health and fitness is really diving into like, what does health mean, you know, mm. and what is, what, what is health to me when I, when I think of my healthiest self, what does that look like? And it doesn't look like a physical body. It doesn't look like me when I was my strongest or my leanest, or when I looked a certain way, it's when I'm mentally feeling really good. It's when I have really good relationships. It's when I'm financially doing really well. And yeah, it's also when I'm eating nutritious foods and balancing that out with Friday night ice cream and I'm going to the gym a couple You're times You're living a your week. life. Yeah. I, yeah. And if I was fully on the other side of the spectrum and like being obsessive with the gym and only eating that, I actually don't see that as healthy. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, that's, that, that, that isn't healthy. And so I guess, yeah, just being really self-aware of like where you are at with health and knowing that health is an umbrella term and there's so many things underneath it and you have to learn to allow the priorities of health to shift. So if like, if finances are really rough right now, financial health is important. That might need to bump to the top and physical and nutritional health might need to bump down a little bit. If you're struggling in your relationship, your relationship health and your like social health might have to bump up to number one and the other things can kind of bump down. They can come back up to number one in a few weeks, but you have to allow the, the, that priority list of health to shift based on where you're at in life. I love that. Have you ever, has anyone ever worked with you on that wheel of life exercise? I don't, I don't think so. If you are a coach who teaches your clients this, I'm really sorry if I'm about to butcher this description, but here we go. So <laughs> I've had past coaches will like, get me, I'm on a piece of paper, draw a circle. Like this whole circle represents your life. Take sections of this wheel and start to write in what are the most important pillars in your life? Like you were saying, financial health, relationship. Mental health. Mental health. You know what I mean? Like, like your, yeah. your food, your your wellness, whatever it is, you like write that in, what's a priority for you to work on, but those things always shift. Mm -hmm. And it's funny when I get obsessive over one, nothing else does well. I'm slowly, it's just wild to me. I keep going back to this. It's just wild to me that I'm 30 years old and just realizing that my whole body and brain is a fucking ecosystem that I've neglected for the last 29 years of my life. Yeah. And 
when your mental health is not there, something's going to be off. You're not going to be fully in alignment with who you are. And for me personally, it causes a lot of anger and resentment Mm -hmm. because ultimately I'm watching, I'm sitting there watching myself do this shit that I know is not what I want to do. And I'm still allowing myself to fucking do it. And it's so frustrating when people are like, just don't do it. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. If I could just stop doing it, I would stop doing it. Like I don't enjoy doing it. But some days are great and some days are not. And I think if there's one thing I could take away, I'm not a, I'm not a coach. I'm not a, a, someone who should be teaching you about eating disorders. I'm not someone who this isn't, you know, the intention of this isn't to give you advice on what you need to do next. If I had the advice to give you, I'd fucking be doing it myself. (laughs) But the fact that you can have important conversations like this with other women to realize you're not alone. And if you are feeling these things, seek out someone that can professionally support you. Because if you're trying to work on this stuff alone, it's going to be a very confusing, frustrating and hard journey that I feel will just weigh a lot more on you. And, and it's going to take so much longer because that's, so that's longer. the mistake I made. I feel like if I would have, I wouldn't change anything because everything I've done has got me to where I am. But that being said, if, if I saw someone that was same age as me when I was struggling, my first piece of advice I would tell them is get professional help from mm-hmm. an eating disorder specialist, from someone that specializes in this area of mental health, because if not, it's going to be six years of slowly, slowly, painfully learning over time and still not being fully healed because you didn't get that professional help. And so, and that's kind of like where I am. Like I, Mm -hmm. I, I, I I still do struggle and I I just now started seeing a therapist and I'm on that journey, not for food and stuff, but I'm sure that that's eventually going to kind of come up because that is Mm -hmm. such a big part of my journey. Um, and it's, I, I, yeah, I wish I could go back and and tell myself to just like get some help because it would have saved, I would have had four more years of like just better college experiences. I wouldn't have been in the gym for eight hours a day. I wouldn't have, I would have been able to go out on the weekends and, Mm -hmm. and enjoyed my time out Mm -hmm. instead of worrying the whole time about what I was going to look like the next day. Um, and yeah, there's just, there's so much freedom on the other side of um, like food issues and like body image issues. Like, I guess that's, yeah. that's literally the best word to describe it is you just finally feel free and you yeah. can, and when you go into experiences, you actually are there and you actually, when you're not thinking about the food that's sitting on the table over there and you can actually enjoy the, the conversations you're having and the places you're seeing and visiting instead of thinking the whole time, when am I going to eat next? How many calories are going to be in it? Is it going to fit in my macros? Am I going to be able to work it off later? When that's not going through your brain 24 seven, you actually see life and you get to experience life in a whole new way. And it's, it's truly beautiful. It's just much easier. Well, I don't want to say it's easier when you start working on it, because I just feel like when you start working on it, at least for me, it just opened up a whole other, like a bunch of other floodgates where I was like, wow, I got a lot of stuff that I have to work on, but you're also starting to understand the root cause of it. You know? Yeah. I feel like we could talk about this for hours. I've, I've had body dysmorphia for as long as I can remember. And it wasn't like a year ago where I actually admitted, I actually do not know what I look like. I don't know what I look like. I have an image of me when I see myself, I do not see good things. And that's, that's specific to me. Like I don't see myself in a good light and 
it's crazy to me that I, it just, it causes me to not want to leave the house. It caught. So when I have these things where I feel like are out of my control, when I got PCOS, when I couldn't understand why my body was putting on weight, but I was working out six days a week and I was eating well and didn't understand that stress causes, you know, doesn't help my hormones. And that like, at the end of the day, I'm 30 now, not 22. Some, it's not as easy as like eat less, move more. There are a lot more, mm-hmm. <laughs> there are a lot more factors in the game, but I think about how much stress I put on myself because I, all my self-worth is, is put on to how I look and how much I weigh and how my clothes fit and how I stack up to all, you know, other influencers in my community or how I look on the media or how my friends look. And there's been so many times I'm like, I'm not, I'm not taking that campaign. I'm not going out with my friends. I don't want to be like the quote unquote fat friend. I'm not going out. It's not a healthy way to be living my life. Yeah. I know for a fact, I'm one of the like millions and millions and millions of women who are going through the same, same thing. Yeah. Have you found that, um, I don't know if you've done this, but and if, I'm sure you have, but, and anyone listening that's struggling, I highly recommend one of the, one of my biggest piece of, pieces of advice, if you're like really struggling with self-worth and body image stuff right now is like we talked about earlier, a lot of our eating issues and body image issues came from magazines and came from our mm-hmm. parents and came from what we're seeing every day. And mm-hmm. like we talked about earlier, what we see every day now is the internet and social media. And so doing a truly like ruthless unfollow unfollow and and follow because it's just as important to add back in um accounts that are positive and are preaching body acceptance and are reminding you literally every single time you Mm -hmm. open up that app that it's okay to not be the skinniest person in the room it's Mm -hmm. okay to to feel the way that you're feeling about it you know Mm -hmm. um if i think that we can have a lot of undoing of the doing that went on earlier in our lives from the media that we were being given, we can just as easily undo that over time, but you have to make that you, you decide what's in your feed. You create that bubble of whatever you're scrolling through. That's on you, your choice. Like, yeah, Instagram ads suck and they'll, they'll throw you some loopholes, but, but for the most part, you get to decide that. And so like actively decide to make a feed that when you open it, it's going to help you, you know? Totally. So yeah, detoxing your feed and including more um, self-love and just like diverse accounts is, mm-hmm. is so important. Yeah, I love that. So the holidays are coming up. I'm sure this, I know this is a very stressful time when it comes to food, <laughs> mainly because it's going to be a lot different this year. You know, we kind of touched yeah. on at the beginning where either some people might be gathering with their families a lot of people might not be gathering with their families. And I think holidays in general is a time of year where people just consume a lot and some people enjoy it. And some people have a heavy hangover of guilt. And I also feel like it's going to be a time where I know for me, it's going to be like, it's really going to test if I'm by myself, like what emotions are coming up and do they have to result in eating unnecessarily? Mm-hmm. So do you have any tips of how people can be more mindful with navigating food consumption or letting go of their food consumption over the holidays? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's crazy. Cause when I think back to the, the, the years of holidays, when that was the forefront on, that was the, the first thing I thought about on my, on my mind, if, if that's you, like if, if you're you think, okay, holidays are coming up. If that next thought is food. And like being worried about it, that's when you kind of know like, okay, like maybe something's like 
a little bit wrong with the relationship with food, because Mm -hmm. as someone who is, is recovered, I can tell you, I haven't thought once about what I'm going to eat or what's where, like what we're going to, I just haven't thought about it because other things are, are so much more important to me now. So what I'm saying is you can actually, you, you can start to direct your attention in other ways. So starting, if you, if that first thought is food, pause for a moment and say, okay, that's, that's fine. That's, we're going to think about that, but also let's think about who we're going to see, what gifts we're going to send, what, what other things we're going to do. And thinking about like other parts of the holidays that are just as, if not better Mm -hmm. than the food, you know? So just making sure that, and then also if you actively know that you're not in a good place with food and that there might be some, a lot of emotions that come up around that time, maybe taking some extra care of your mental health too. If you're someone who sees a therapist or uses like better help or whatever, schedule an extra appointment, be proactive about yeah. And, and just be proactive about it. I think another big thing too, is like talking about it and telling your family ahead of time. Like if you talk about it and you tell someone like, Hey, I'm really struggling with this and I, I'm going to vocalize it so that we can, like, I can have support throughout that. If you vocalize it, you're going to be a lot more likely to do so much better because someone else is not just holding you accountable because you mm-hmm. don't want to just tell someone like, don't let me eat this food. You want to tell them to like, just they, you might need support, you know, mm-hmm. but when you tell someone it's a, you're just so much more likely to be more aware and more grounded and present in those moments. Cause you know, someone else also is like watching mm-hmm. over you and has your back. And it doesn't um, necessarily mean yeah. announcing it to 20 people at Christmas dinner. It could be <laughs> your sister, your brother, your mom, your cousin, someone you confide in to be like, listen, I don't want this to be a known issue but I also, I'm, I might need support while I'm going through this because the last thing you want also is like, you announce it to someone, you stand there, you go get your piece of pie. Then someone shouts at you to make you feel shame for eating the pie. Yeah, It's yeah. finding the compassionate support that you can get. Or if you're worried about it, I think, like you said, helping make that game plan of like, okay, this is going to go down and how am I going to be prepared to handle it? And how am I going to, how am I going to be compassionate with myself if it doesn't go according to plan? Cause it's not going, it's to, not going to, it's pumpkin pie and mashed potato season and I'm going to eat it. <laughs> yes. And you should. And I think that's another huge thing is like, when I say, I don't really think about it. Like it's not just because I've recovered and all of that. I don't think about it because I'm going to eat that stuff. Like I, I just, I, I already, that's, that's a part of my game plan, you know? Mm-hmm. And a part of my game plan is also, like you said, having compassion with myself and expecting maybe some thoughts to come up, but also expecting to be able to just release them. And then the next day, like it's a brand new day, you know? And so it, that sounds so simplified of, I know a lot of emotions yeah. go into that, yeah. but just knowing that like, as someone who's totally been there and literally didn't eat Thanksgiving one year, I, I have been there and I can tell you that it does get better. It's just each year you will learn how to deal and not even each year, each experience, each time you have a binge episode or you have those thoughts, you learn how to deal with it just a little bit better each time. And over time, that little bit better becomes a lot bit better. And Mm -hmm. so you can really look forward to like, maybe even just be excited about the fact that this weekend yeah. or that not this weekend, but this holiday season is going to be a growth opportunity. It's going to be mm-hmm. a, a, an opportunity for you to grow and to not mm-hmm. succumb to um, what society makes you feel like you have to do over the holidays to yeah. stay fit, stay healthy, whatever. Um, so yeah, it is it's definitely a hard time. Yeah. yeah. Amen. 
And I also want to be mindful of people listening because we're going to have, you're going to have people listening that might be in the thick of it. Maybe this has helped help you realize that, oh shit, I actually might realize that I might be doing some of these things. Maybe this is something I'm experiencing, or maybe you're in the thick of it and you're angry and you're frustrated. And you may be hearing us talk about some of these tips can be quite triggering because it's not easy Mm -hmm. to go through. And I, I want to be mindful of everyone listening and just take a second to acknowledge that every single person's journey is completely different. And mm-hmm. I want you to seek help when you need help and get support when you need support, but also don't compare your journey to someone else's. And mm. yeah, I just don't want this to be a, like an, I told you so episode that can be quite triggering to people depending on where they are in their journey. Yeah. 100%. Yeah, no, it is. It, especially the, what you said about it, everyone's journey being different. Like mm-hmm. there is not a single person that has the same like experience with an eating disorder, but also the same, especially recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, recovery can, can be super easy for some people and it can be super duper difficult for some people. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I think that if, regardless of if you're struggling a little bit or struggling a lot, I cannot recommend you to getting help enough. Um, I will actually, I'll send you some of my favorite resources. They're eating disorder dietitians that are Amazing. fully like, um, qualified to help with this kind of stuff. And they do like online sessions and especially during the holidays. Um, I'm sure you could book like an emergency session or Mm -hmm. even just like a little extra support session, Mm -hmm. or even just having them in your feed to like normalize your feelings and normalize what you're experiencing, um, is really, really helpful. Cause like when you hear people talking about it and realizing that like your thoughts and what you're going through, isn't, it's not crazy. It's not, it's not unheard of. It's very, very normal. That helped, at least that helped me a lot because it made me realize like, I'm not, I'm not like this crazy case of like, totally. Someone who's never been done before. Yeah. 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 Cause that's how I felt. I felt, I felt crazy. I felt like no one gets you. Yeah. Like no one understood. No one could, could really get it. And so, um, normalizing that, um, is really, really important. Yeah. I love that. And yeah, I think the intention with this, I know the intention with this conversation is to just normalize that conversation of like, Hey, it's, if you're going through this, it's okay. And if you're not, you're, there's a good chance that someone in your circle is a very, very good chance Mm -hmm. that someone in your circle is. And I just wish that I had, it was just more normal in my world and not realizing it by surprise at 30 that I'm like, Oh, so, okay. There's a reason why I can't stop eating. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It makes sense. Um, thank you so much for that share. I think, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to list some of the resources and links for people for you to follow. And again, I definitely recommend con- like consulting a professional on this and do not come to me for answers because I don't want to be giving you the wrong answers. I'm navigating I'm navigating my journey equally and I'll likely be diving into like exploring the resources, like some of your favorites that have really worked for you. So I really appreciate that. Um, Before we go, you started something really exciting recently. Like, I mean, you do a million things. Yeah, and I do. Maybe another episode, we can dive into the business side of things. Yeah, I mean, you can tell us a bit more about what you do, as well as like you coach people, you have a new line, I'm just gonna let you you just tell us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So I actually I currently actually I don't, um, I stopped coaching just because in general, like I was draining for me, I needed to 
in order to serve others, you have to serve yourself. And mm-hmm. I was realizing like I needed to serve myself a little bit more. Um, and I, yeah, so I don't currently um, do any like one-on-one coaching, um, which I actually really love to be honest. So I will pass you along to like my friends who are coaches. If you ever need help or whatever, you can send me a DM. But um, yeah, I do a million things. I um, have the Rose Retreat, which is a female empowerment retreat with um, Michaela Mixazon on Instagram. She's body confidence queen. Um, and that's been difficult with the pandemic and everything. We're like learning how to navigate owning an events company in 2020, 2021. Um, so that has been really fun. Um, I do Instagram, like influencing, uh, marketing kind of stuff. And then, um, my, and then I do online like workout programs, but my number one thing that I'm super excited about right now is, um, I just started a company with my boyfriend called Relic 96. We, it was like a quarantine hobby that I turned, that we just happened to, we were like, let's try selling these. And it went really well. And so we were like, well, the entrepreneur in me was like, you can't stop now. You just got to keep going. So um, we basically, we get uh, thrifted and secondhand uh, graphic tees, band tees, uh, a lot of like sports merchandise, like sweatshirts, hoodies, crewnecks, all of that. Um, and we upcycle it. So I'll bleach dye it, tie dye it, crop it, sew it. If there's any holes, just kind of give it new life. And, um, so we sell on Etsy. And so that's been really fun. It's been a, I, I was craving some kind of like creative outlet throughout quarantine that wasn't content creation because that's also a, a job for me. I wanted something that well, now this turned into a job. That's just <laughs> the entrepreneur in me, but, um, it's really fun and I love it. And, um, it's something that it's really fun to do with my boyfriend too. Cause he does all of the like more businessy side of things. And, um, yeah, we've, we've sold out every restock that we do and I can only do so much cause it's just us. So we have kind of smaller restocks. We do little like batches, like around anywhere from like a 200 to like 300, ish um shirts or sweatshirts per restock and we do one restock a month so um you can like find information on my instagram about that but yeah it's been super fun it's a really good creative outlet so we've been doing it for the past like i think we've done like five or six restocks now so um it's been really fun and we're literally saving every penny to buy our first home and hopefully do some investing in like properties and kind of taking a completely different route from what um i normally do like we want to really create like a stream of income. That's not like based on how much I work and how much like content or stuff we can push out. We want like a good uh, stream of passive income. So we're going to, going to kind of pursue that. And eventually like in the future, future, I'm like my dream. I want to do like house flipping and stuff. I think it would be so fun because interior design is just something that I've always like loved. So we'll see that's way in the future though. I love seeing how many COVID babies came out of this, like creative COVID baby, yeah. just like branching off and doing such amazing things. Um, you guys might be able to hear a bit of drilling in the background. I'm just going to be totally frank that they decided to take a jackhammer and drive into the sidewalk. So that's nice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, Gabby, thank you so much for hanging out with me this morning. I think we had such an important talk that I'm very confident is going to be very helpful to a lot of people listening and I'm going to put all the links for you or for everyone listening I'll put them on the Instagram post and I'll also put them in the show notes but where is the best way for people to connect with you and how would you like to connect with people more yeah so you can follow me on Instagram that's like where I'm the most active um and just yeah where I spend 
90% of my day. Um, it's just at Gabby Mail, G-A-B-B-Y-M-A-L-E on Instagram. And um, if you want to check out our Etsy shop for shirts, it's um, the Instagram is relic96. And yeah, everybody just, yeah, come over, join me on Instagram. I love stories. I'm always super active on my stories. And I, I really like making my stories that not so much about me, but like about my, my community. I do a lot of like check-ins and um, like, yeah, just like daily, like check-ins, like asking you how you are, like really like creating, like allowing you to like have a pause in your scroll and be able to like, not think about what you're seeing, but think about yourself is kind of what um, my goal has recently started to become with my stories. So, um, yeah. That's so amazing. Well, thank you so much for joining me and, um, have an amazing Christmas or amazing holiday. Yes. Yes. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been amazing. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Unfiltered with Allie. Just a friendly reminder that I have two episodes that drop every single week for you on Tuesdays and on Fridays. And if you like what you heard, please be sure to subscribe. And of course, leave me a review. I love hearing what you guys think of the episodes. Lastly, be sure to connect with me over on Instagram at at unfiltered with Allie. You'll be able to access a ton of extra content from each of the episodes. Slide into my DMs and... You can find the link for my free online community. This is designed for inspiring, badass women all around the world. I can't wait to chat with you next week. See you then.